Hey, how's it going, everybody? You're listening to another episode of the Super Mercado Brothers Video Game Music Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. This is a podcast where we share and discuss the very best in video game music. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. We have a really fun episode in store for you guys today. Delightful. This is a composer spotlight episode on one of our favorite composers, someone who we've played Mm. a great deal of their music on this podcast over the years. (laughs) This is flashy goodness. Uh, It's interesting composers that come from the chiptune scene and that still go by a moniker. I actually don't know Flashy Goodness' real name. I don't even know where this composer is based. I know they're based in the U.S., but that's really all I know. Fun fact, a few years ago, maybe more like four or five years ago at this point, I reached out, I emailed Flashy Goodness because I wanted to interview this composer for you know an episode kind of like this that we, we've never done a Flashy episode. Uh, it's long overdue. Uh, and they were just too humble. They basically just said, oh, I really appreciate that, but I just don't know if I would have anything that interesting to say (laughs) so a very humble composer uh really great melodic style i just absolutely love you know flashy goodness is the perfect name for this composer the music yes it can be flashy but it's just full of so much joy and excitement i'm really excited for this playlist equal parts flashy and goodness (laughs) it backs up the flash with quality yeah you know it's interesting there there are musicians that have that sort of quality like charlie kelly from it's always sunny where he's just like i don't know pianos just make sense to me man you know where it's just like they don't really want to talk about it they don't it because yeah they don't necessarily have a and i don't know if this is the case for flashy like it could just be you know true humility like you were saying but mm. i do know that a lot of musicians have such an intuitive relationship with music and uh the sort of experience where it's sort of wordless it's like Mm -hmm. they they haven't spent a lot of time intellectualizing their own process so to talk about it in literal terminology on an interview or in a podcast i think i can understand why for some people that would be you know a a totally different thing and maybe they feel like i don't have any words i can't put into words my process well that was kind of why i wanted to finally do this episode i wanted to follow flashy's lead and just let the music speak for itself that is definitely what's going to happen today it's interesting uh if you go on flashy goodness's band camp you'll see quite a few releases um it looks like 2008 is when this composer first started to make video game music and chip tunes. Uh, there's there's three main games that we're focusing on today, but we are playing one track from two others as well. The three main ones we're focusing on, Tower of Heaven, Bean Dreams, and Rivals of Aether. Now, Rivals is the biggest game and soundtrack that Flashy has composed, so we're playing a lot more tracks from that game. That's an interesting one. That is a spiritual sequel to this game called Super Smash Land, which, as you might guess, is a fan-made remake of Super Smash Brothers. So this game is also very heavily inspired by Smash Brothers. Um, And so the music is a lot more intense than some of the other titles that Flashy has worked on. But I am just so excited today. Me too, man. It's It feels like it's been a while since we've done an episode like this but you know Mm -hmm. we haven't actually done many spotlights on specific chip tuners or specific people in the kind of like remix community often when we do episodes like this we're focusing on you know specific video game composers but not just video game composers usually like classic video game composers you know people like yuzo koshiro or something uh so it's fun to do a spotlight on someone who like you said it's like we don't have a ton of biographical information all Mm -hmm. we have is the music so i think this is the perfect opportunity to just let's focus on that let's let's have fun today incredible (laughs) stuff so yeah let the tunes speak for themselves what you heard playing in was a beautiful tune it's luna ascension and that is from tower of heaven that is the first game that flashy composed it came out in 2010 uh we're playing three tracks total so just two more from this and what's interesting about the first two uh titles on our podcast uh actually no we're 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 having one one off before we move to bean dreams but for tower of heaven and bean dreams what flashy did is he came up with this nugget or this specific melody that almost every single track in both of those scores have that so 
it's it's definitely like a theme in variations. He was really into that style for a couple of years. So uh, we're going to hear some similar melodies that we that we heard in Luna Ascension in this next track, which is one of my favorite tracks from this composer. Uh, this game, Tower of Heaven, is a Game Boy inspired 2D platformer, and so it makes sense that Flashy went for a classic square wave chiptune sound. Let's take a listen to Indignant Divinity. for me that is an all-time classic love this piece of music indignant divinity composed by flashy goodness from tower of heaven now, i know that flashy usually uses fl studio that's the way that most of this music is made uh, so so yeah it's it's a really cool sound it feels classic and nostalgic but it also feels fresh and new what a great composition love the melodies on this one yeah it's so strong and i mean i think what is so brilliant about this and i think chiptune composers like this which i will say if you could put this music in a category i'd say it's a category of chiptuners whose musical instincts not simply aesthetic ones not just in terms of sound and timbre but musical ideas themselves the modal characteristics, the harmonic language, the melodic and rhythmic characteristics are so influenced by classic 80s, 90s Japanese video game composers. I mean, that's that literally is, I think, on Flashy's website. <laughs> if you click on the about, uh, he goes into that, about how influential all that stuff was for him. And, well, and I think for us, too, and for a whole generation of musicians that write you know music for chiptune sounds or to whether it's music actually for games or in albums or collections uh it's yeah this is one of my favorite genres and i love when i can hear that influence and it's a very specific you know sometimes when i hear a piece of music like this i feel like i can sort of step outside of myself a little and pretend like let's say i hadn't grown up with video game music and Mm -hmm. i was just hearing this you do it does bring you back to the 80s as a decade specifically like this kind of rhythm this kind of chord progression it feels like 80s pop music in there a little bit yet there's something so distinctly Japanese about this and I it's hard to put my finger on it I think there's that sort of sadness the sort of melancholia landing on the ninth how pianistic and active the rhythms are like it's poppy and catchy but it's not necessarily like a vocal melody you know it's very clearly instrumental because it has all these little intricacies and I think all those elements together um, they just remind me of so much great Konami music and mm-hmm. Capcom and great video games, but also just, you know, pop music, film music of that whole decade. Let's play one more from Tower of Heaven. And Tower of Heaven, similar to the first few titles today, is a pretty small soundtrack. Um, and so, yeah, Rivals was definitely the, the first full length game soundtrack uh, that Flashy worked on. One more from Tower of Heaven. This is Atop the World.
so beautiful. That was Atop the World by Flashy Goodness from Tower of Heaven. And yeah, this is this is an American composer. Uh, obviously, Flashy is obsessed with Japanese culture and, and, and musical tradition. And you can see that if you look on Flashy's Twitter, um, it's actually pretty fun. The headline of his Twitter, you know, the information, the description of his Twitter is all in Japanese. But I'm I'm pretty sure this is not this is not a Japanese composer. <laughs> Man, this is just so unbelievably beautiful. Uh, that melody is just to die for. The melody again, the the harmonies, the in the voicings of the chords, you know, these sort of very jazz voicings and fourths and stuff, and these sort of ambiguous suspended chords that mm-hmm. are so much a part of that style. And it's, man, it's I, it's just something that I'm I'm constantly fascinated by and constantly I feel like thinking about uh, what is it about the music of composers in Japan because the specific style that we're talking about it's not like it was born it's not we're not talking about you know Japanese music from hundreds of years ago right you know we're talking about a very specific period of like in the mid to late 20th century um, where this sort of style emerged in Japan. And it was clearly very influenced by a lot of things from American music and jazz and pop and uh, and other forms of, like, I guess, Western classical music as well. Right. Yet there is so much specific grammar and style language that... I think really kind of edified in Japan during those decades. And it's so specific that it's like now to kind of come back when you hear an American composer doing those things, it just sounds so distinctly Japanese. But I love knowing that there's this sort of influence back and forth. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, one of the things that you get from this track that is what Will's talking about is the sweetness and the delicacy of this. I mean, it's just... Oh my gosh, it feels like it's putting you softly to bed, <laughs> this piece of music. Yeah. It's a real treat to get, you know, piano. It's the only track that's non-chiptune on, on the score and really on the day, basically. Uh, so that was a treat. Uh, there is a, another small game and soundtrack uh, that Flashy worked on quite a few years ago called Overpowered. We're going to play just one track. Uh, it's a really great one, though. It's Broken Elevator to Revelation. Here we go. It just has so much character. You guys are listening to <laughs> Broken Elevator to Revelation. So much personality, so much fun and energy. Yeah, it surprises you. This track, you really don't know what to expect upon first listen. It's from Overpowered. Uh, all of this music that you're listening to today can be found on flashygoodness.bandcamp.com. Definitely support this amazing composer. This is my jam, dude. Yeah, absolutely. I love melodies like this where the shape and contour of them 
feels so like pictorial like it's mm -hmm. almost describing an image or in this case a very specific character in the way that the melody is divided between those and then you have that sort of <laughs> ascending and descending line that's like the answering how phrase. insane is it that he goes he does like loop back to that really ominous intro <laughs> it's just like yeah. such a different feel and but this kind of melody in this piece of music is as groovy as it is when that when the like tune proper comes in it also sounds like robots talking to each other. Yes, very digital, you know, technological. A lot of Flashy's music has that quality. If he was a DJ. Yeah, and some of that comes from just, oh, these synth sounds, these electronic sounds, but uh, he definitely plays them up. Um, and yeah, I mean, and maybe flashy isn't <laughs> the right word because like when I think of the word flashy, usually it's something that doesn't have a heart underneath it or doesn't have a substance underneath it. And maybe that's just my connotation. But yeah, it's, right. it's a very exciting, fast paced music, at least, you know, the rhythms of a lot of these melodies. It's just, oh, there's a lot to I listen think, to. Yeah. I mean, often when we invoke the word flashy, we're talking about something that is maybe more like style over substance kind of a thing where yeah. it's like, it's very flashy. It looks good on the surface, but maybe there's not as much depth. But that doesn't describe this music. But I do think the combination of flashy goodness, um, it actually describes not just this composer in this, you know, his music, but more or less it describes the entire genre or the entire milieu, if you will, of like this whole, you know, brand of video game music that is very unafraid to be overt and emotionally expressive groovy melodic fun catchy dancey it's like so these kinds of things fun. that you know are not nearly as common in many other genres of music and definitely not nearly as common in many genres of like media scoring games tv movies i think a lot of you fans of our podcast know how much i love flashy goodness i've you know raved about this composer for years but for whatever reason i can't tell you how many hours that i've had flashy's music on in the background when i'm working it's just really great background music in addition to foreground music. It's music that just always puts me in a good mood. So that's a fun fact. Let's move on to my personal favorite track of the day. This is uh, the track that maybe captures, in my opinion, what is very special and unique about flashy goodness. It's called Fortune Fields from the game Bean Dreams. And Bean Dreams is a 2D platformer. I think it came out for iOS and Android. Uh, quite a few years ago. We're going to play a handful of tracks from this game. Now, this is the main melody, uh, the main theme that, again, a lot of the pieces in the score use. Today, uh, we I tried to pick stuff that has original material, but the last track we're going to play from Bean Dreams, uh, which we'll get to in a little bit here, Dungeon of Dreams, that is going to use the same basic melody of this track, except that it's a very different emotion. So that'll be interesting to hear that. Let's start things off with such a classic. This is Fortune Fields by Flashy Goodness. You guys are listening to Fortune Fields, which brings a smile and a dance to my face and body, unlike almost any piece of music. It's one of my very favorite pieces of EGM. It's by Flashy Goodness from Bean Dreams. Really, it, it does say it all. There, I don't really need to say much about this track. It's just perfect. It's so 
delightful. I mean, I, it's funny, we keep <laughs> focusing in on the name Flashy Goodness, um, but I think it's just such a colorful <laughs> moniker. It's like the kind of thing that you don't really forget, but I think it also describes their music so well. I mean, this this piece of music, in, in the way that, you know, like a Jake Kaufman um, or any great kind of you know, Japanese game composer that has, where they put all their emotions on their sleeve, yet to me it's this very sort of selfless music it's not, it's not written to be considered as serious music but it's yeah. pulling out all the stops to make you feel whatever the composer wants you to feel which in this case yeah, is flashy and, well, goodness I love that you say that, yeah it's not supposed to be serious, but that doesn't mean it doesn't have extreme levels of beauty and sophistication yes. I mean, some of those chords and those melodies moments are absolutely beautiful. Yeah, and I think the thing that I would encourage all of our listeners to do is to um, expand your musical imagination. When you listen to a track like this, it's very easy to get distracted by the surface level elements. And that's why I think some people would listen to a piece of music like this and they would say, oh, it's saccharin, or it's just too sugary, and it's over, you know, it's very cheesy and over the top. But I think so much of that has to do with context, and I always encourage people to listen beyond the context, because I actually love this context. I mean, the dancey, groovy, sugary elements are part of what make it so good, yet you could take the core musical materials the chords mm -hmm. and melody and write it in a lead sheet form like a real book tune and if you played it slow without kind of with maybe more straight and even rhythms like you could turn this into mm -hmm. like a lyrical more ballad kind of beautiful piano arpeggio piece and what i love about these flashy goodness tracks is like almost everything that we hear that has this groovy high energy there's this sort of melancholia underneath the chords that going from the major one to the minor four sound that we we hear a lot in in music, but it tends to, it's this modal borrowing where you're borrowing from the parallel minor key, but it injects just a little bit of sadness, a little bit of heartbreak, nostalgia, melancholy into your happy, fun track. And the <laughs> melody has this wistful quality. And that's why I think so much game music like this is way more satisfying and fun to listen to than something that to me, there's a lot of music written for children, particularly in the West, that mm. I find very condescending and like talking down where it's like it's simple in a way where the writer feels like they're holding themselves back because they're, oh, children need basic well, this emotions. Is, you know, Flashy's music, especially stuff like Bean Dreams and Tower of Heaven, it's music that is so universal. Like this would be great for kids. This is great for adults. Great for anyone right. who wants it's some entertainment. But complex. It's like... Audio entertainment. It's, I don't know. I think it's not that different from like John Williams or something where mm -hmm. it's like little kids can appreciate it and sing along to it. Yet there's brilliant, complex architecture under the hood. Yeah. I dig that. Uh, the next track we're going to play from Bean Dreams is called Mystic Gardens. Kind of sounds like a combination of two sonic stages, but it's not. Mystic Gardens from Bean Dreams. guys are listening to mystic gardens by flashy goodness just the best 
it's definitely uh, kind of an homage piece going for a very specific traditional sound. This actually reminds me of some of the music on Sega Genesis games such as Super Fantasy Zone. Um, it, it just has that, that quality to it. And one thing that's cool is Flashy enjoys all kinds of different chiptune sounds. So what we'll hear today, we'll hear some FM stuff. We, we hear a lot of 8-bit stuff. We hear some sampled stuff eventually. Uh, yeah, this is someone who is very adept at using all kinds of retro sounds together in a, in, in a very full, exciting package. This is, mm. oh man, this is a very emotional piece of music. Yeah, very emotional. Again, the, that, the employing that minor four chord, which is just that smidge of chromaticism that mm-hmm. tends to be that tearjerker moment. Or I remember I, my middle school band teacher used to talk about the grandma moment, which is like the moment in a piece of music where, you know, you want grandma to cry. Um, and I, that, I don't know, for whatever reason, that term has always sort of stuck with me. And I do think, you know, there's so much music that does tend to have this, not a climax, but like this emotional climax, the point where you're as invested emotionally as possible. I know for many sure. people, they don't listen to music in an analytical way like this. They're just experiencing it as a full feeling. But what's so fascinating to me about music is that since it exists in time, it's it's not one feeling. It's not like you push mm-hmm. play on a song and you have one singular feeling the entire time. It's like the piece of music is dynamic. Every single note that the melody goes to has the potential to create a slightly different nuance of emotion. And so that's why I think the experience of a great piece of music like this is so much more satisfying than the experience of looking at a fixed static thing. Like as much as I love visual art, I do think that can create a very complex emotion, but it's one singular emotion because you're yeah. it, it, it's a completely frozen in time object where music is more like reading a book where you don't have the same emotion on every page. It's definitely or a journey. Not even on every word. And yet at the same time, music is so abstract that you know, we can sit here and intellectualize it and break down the chords and when the melody goes here and there, yet you don't have to experience it like that. You can just experience it as effortlessly as looking at an abstract painting. And that's what's so fun about instrumental music, I think, is you can completely lose yourself in metaphor. You don't need to be dealing with anything literal. I mean, I lose myself (laughs) for hours with Flashy's music, as I've mentioned. Let's play a few more from Bean Dreams. This is a really chill track bathhouse here we go You guys are listening to the amazing bathhouse by flashy goodness again from bean dreams it's been a while since we've caught up with all of our listeners so let's do that now let's catch up will what have you been up to lately how is life in la going for you and emma these days life has been going great um we've really very much i think adjusted and enjoyed um these first few months being in los angeles we've liked it more than we thought we would uh, Emma awesome. has a wonderful job at the Mr. Holland's Opus Foundation, which I think I've talked about before, mm-hmm. but she's really loving her work there and has found that really rewarding. I I don't know that I've talked about this too much because I kind of didn't want to jinx it, but um, I'm still working with Mark Isham. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been hired on as his assistant, essentially. So that's been... I didn't want to 
explicitly say that, you know, on the podcast um, earlier on because right. I, you know, everything, <laughs> I just always have this fear that, you know, I'm going to be found out as a fraud and oh, gosh. <laughs> get fired or something, but it's been... But it's going yeah, really it's been well. An incredible experience getting to work. Will for was him. telling me just how busy his fall is going to be. Uh, you're going to have a lot of work to do this fall, but that's always great. You're going to learn a lot, and I think you're one of these people. Will it seems like you thrive in the chaos, in the extreme busyness? Would you agree with that? I think I do because uh, you know. I mean, this is obviously getting a little personal, but um, I've I've struggled off and on with my mental health over the years, struggle with depression, As many of us and anxiety. Have. Yeah, I think that's a really common, normal thing. Especially um, these unfortunately. days. Yeah. But I think for me, I can feel better about myself if I'm accomplishing something. Oh, yeah. And that sort of offsets the depression. So if I've gotten enough done, especially if I'm doing something for someone else, you know, yeah. I, I can get the feeling of validation from that and then it sort of challenges when i have those darker thoughts of like what are you doing with your life who are you you know mm -hmm. I, all of my flaws are laid out in front of me i can say well at least i'm accomplishing this for this person or i'm doing right. that you know it's having something that you can say that you've done that I, I do find that that helps me so it's like as much as i might get stressed when things get busy I think I'm actually in a happier state doing that work than if I had nothing to do and I had all the time in the world, which is sometimes I find like I really start craving that. Like I'm, right. oh, I'm so busy. I wish I just had nothing to do. But I know from experience that whenever I do <laughs> the have nothing to do. grass is always greener, yeah. Yeah. One cool thing I wanted to mention is I got we got to see John Williams conduct at the Hollywood Bowl Amazing. recently, which was like... Yeah, that was absolutely incredible. Bucket list and moment for sure. Yeah, totally. Seeing him conduct and he played a new theme from the upcoming Indy 5, which was gorgeous and incredible. And he's so humble and mm -hmm. soft-spoken. And it was just this really positive experience seeing there were 17,000 people there. That's insane. Of all ages, a completely diverse crowd you know racially and in terms of age and background but a really respectful audience too i felt for how mm -hmm. many people were there when he's playing harry potter hedwig's theme and it's just the celeste it was unbelievably silent like all you could hear <laughs> were celeste and crickets wow. yet when he's playing the imperial march people have lightsabers ignited and they're waving it around it was like exactly what you would want yeah it was so cool man that is beyond well, cool what about you, dude? What have you been up to? I know you have <laughs> quite a lot um, <laughs> on your plate preparing for this new... I mean, yeah, most of most of what's been going on lately with us is just preparing, you know, getting everything ready, getting the nursery ready, of course, getting the house, buying a bunch oh, of stuff, so getting as much stuff as we can, you know, used or free, which we've been getting a lot of that, which is great. You know, baby stuff, you know, you use so, so briefly, uh, you know, unless you have multiple kids. Uh, so there's a lot of turnover and there's a lot of stuff, great deals on like Facebook Marketplace and stuff like that. Sure. So we've been trying to get everything uh, that we need. And yeah, I've also been working on an EP that I'm probably going to... Um, really? Yeah, I should be able to put that out this fall. Yeah, which has been really fun. Kind of like a... What kind of stuff? Like a jazz fusion, I guess, EP. Um, one of the things that I wanted to do with it was just collaborate with some people few of which that I haven't before. Nice. Uh, so there'll be some really cool and, and exciting uh, collaborators that will be featured. I think a few of the tracks I'll have videos of as well. Uh, so yeah, look forward to that this fall. So that, Dude, that's, that's been awesome. keeping me busy as well. Yeah, something I'm always so impressed by about you is that no matter what's happening in your life, you always make time for not just some musical outlet, but like a productive mm -hmm. musical outlet projects that you actually release, putting music out there. Like that's a really well, you know what's hard funny, Will, you do. were just talking about, you know, the kind of mental health stuff. And like for me, I noticed that if too much time goes by and I and I don't have something like that, I, I start to get very sad. <laughs> so that's just hmm. one thing that helps me kind of stay afloat a little bit is having a project like that. And, you know, I don't always have the time every day to work on it, as you would imagine. But whenever I do have the time to work on it, 
it's it's kind of comforting for me. So so yes, right. uh, look forward to that. Uh, let's get back to some flashy music here. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna play two more tracks from Bean Dreams. This is Marble Mountain. listening to marble mountain uh this is kind of like a back to back to back the mystic bath and then this very relaxing uh you know bean dreams in general is just very calming it's gonna be fun when we move to rivals it's a very different energy but yeah just outstanding you know bean dreams might be my personal favorite work mm. of flashy uh, it's just really so up my good. alley yeah i mean so incredibly well crafted melodically but that very you know in service of the enjoyment of the player kind of music like it's absolutely it's very feel good on the surface but it's uh you feel a lot of emotions i'd say because there's a depth to the music and that's what i think a lot of japanese composers do so well is the music feels so sincere even if it's unpretentious, even if it's something that... And I think that's why people say saccharin, because I think, particularly in America, mm. I think there is a lot of, I think, hypersensitivity to something being perceived as cheesy yeah. or uncool. Yeah, or it's funny how not that... with the current trend. <laughs> that's come up so much on the podcast, maybe because we play so much music like this, so it, it makes sense. Well, but... and I just have a lot of experience of talking to, you know, smart, talented musicians that I really like and respect that will have these kinds of dismissive attitudes about right. video game music or even, you know, completely composers like Joe Hisaishi or John Williams or, you know, Alan Menken or anything. And I, I see where they're coming from. I see why someone would listen to something like, you know, I can go the distance from Hercules and think like, this is the cheesiest thing I've ever seen. But I feel mm -hmm. like what's unfortunate is when people say that, I feel like they're not really um, opening themselves up to the music, they're not listening to it as though it's sincere. They're looking it's at so it on hard the surface for me. level. I think I'm very biased, but like, it's so hard for me to imagine anyone thinking that about this music because, like, <laughs> to me, it's just like absolutely perfect. But I think, yeah, there there could be someone who maybe didn't like. Well, the and I feel that or... way about Alan Menken or John Williams or Koji Kondo. But I think I just I've always really admired that there's a selflessness about the work that it takes to create something as good as like that kind of pure melody is so that hard purity but it's so is absolutely inspirational uh to flashy uh you know not just koji but you know composers right. like him well we have one more track from bean dreams before we move on to rivals of aether this is dungeon of dreams and it uses a melody that we heard first in fortune fields let's take a listen
You guys are listening to Dungeon of Dreams, and it's actually a perfect segue into a little bit of a more climactic energy that we're going to get from Rivals of Aether, which makes a lot of sense. Uh, Rivals of Aether is is actually a fighting game um, where I said Bean Dreams was just kind of more of like a 2D platformer. Uh, so I think this is one of the final stages in the game, if I'm not mistaken. And yeah... Flashy is taking the melody that we heard in Fortune Fields, um, but now we're hearing it in a minor key. We're hearing it. It's a lot more devious. It works quite well. We're hearing it in a Castlevania-ish context. Oh, yeah. This sort of progressive rock meets classical, which progressive rock already does meet classical. He really nailed this Um, pastiche. Yeah, very much so. And it's so video gamey, not just in terms of the sounds, obvi- which are the kind of obvious thing to make it gamey, but really, again, it's more about the composition under the hood. You know, what's so fascinating to me is, like, I have a distinct memory. When we started the podcast, it seemed like the majority of the modern chiptune scene musically had way more in common with, like, minimalism or just electronic music. Yeah, outside of games than it did with, you know, classic 80s, 90s VGM. But now I'd say that shift has gone almost the other direction, that the majority of, like, popular chiptunes sound more of of this kind of ilk. Well, do you think In- that it actually was a shift, or do you think that they're just, they're just you know, were more and more and more chiptuners that, that started to make music and that we heard their music? Like, maybe, maybe there's just so many more that we're yeah. hearing people it's, that have It could those very much tastes. be true, but I also do think that it's things, not us, but it's things like this. It's this as well as like, think of all the great YouTube channels or all the podcasts and different, you know, um, almost educational resources online that I right. think have analyzed so much of that music. And so I think that's given a frame of reference to younger musicians who write in this style that they can kind of be a little more fluent with some of the things that are part of that musical grammar, where I think the earlier generation of chip tuners, they were maybe th- their musical tastes potentially were formed by the time they started playing video games. So it's like they liked the timbre and the sounds and almost the programming and everything of it. But their influences were not necessarily game composers. Their influences were music in the real world. Well, and that's one... It's one reason why I love Flashy is because not only has Flashy literally said that about the influences of 90s VGM, but you can hear it in the music too. Um, I'm really excited to move on to Rivals of Aether. I said that it's a a Smash Bros. inspired fighting game. It's a really big soundtrack. We have quite a few tracks from it. We also have one uh, from the expansion tracks release, um, which just came out quite recently. But let's start off with the main menu. By flashy goodness. You guys are listening to Main Menu, uh, which is a a great melody. And he does this again on Rivals of Aether. Uh, In the beginning of the score, this melody is used in like four or five different tracks, different variations, different menu tracks and stuff like that. Yeah, it is is cool now to hear uh, the production is definitely kind of increasing from some of the earlier stuff we heard to this. Uh, But yeah, outstanding music across the board. Yeah, really phenomenal stuff in... You know, just a great mix of different elements, groove elements, melodic elements, surprising harmonic elements. Uh, You know, Flashy 
has proven to be just an incredibly versatile composer mm-hmm. and someone who can write in I guess I want to say different styles even though all of this music is in the genre if you will of video game music but really <laughs> the genre of video game music isn't so much a genre as it is just a combination it's a language <laughs> someone like flashy has a genuine love of a specific type of music yeah. uh, and, and I can really relate to that and it's really cool to hear that but also to hear it through a different lens and, and you know a different brain uh, with different tools. right? Yeah, and to know that it's like all these different composers from anywhere in the world. It doesn't just have to be Japanese men and women in the 80s writing chip. It's like There's something the whole that world links has yeah. access to these tools because really the tools are not just the computer tools. They're the tools of functional musical harmony. Right. And that's why in the same way that like you can listen to a piece from a Czech composer from the 1800s and listen to a piece from a French composer. And yes, there are slight stylistic differences, but there's a shared language that they have that makes the music compatible. And I think something like that, akin to that, cropped up in Japan in the 80s um, and it's like that has played such a large role oh my gosh. into Absolutely. so many people's lives that now this is a universal language. This isn't confined to one geographic space. And that's such an exciting thing. And it needs to be preserved and, you know, celebrated so that it can continue, I think. Absolutely. Flashy is one of the people that is one of the many people that's doing that. I'm excited to move on to this. This is Lightning Pandemonium. Here we go. You guys are listening to Lightning Pandemonium, giving you a sense of the increased energy and excitement that Flashy's bringing to the soundtrack of Rivals of Aether. It's fun if you look at the release on Bandcamp, you see so many comments of, of people saying, man, Flashy adds so much to this game experience. I mean, this music really gets me excited. And um, yeah, wow, this is just, it's very flashy. It's very good. Yeah, this is another track that just perfectly describes flashy goodness. I mean, it's, Indeed. it's very vibrant and colorful and just hitting you in the face with so much percolating detail, yet it's also just really satisfying and has these sincere emotions. Like, again, you could take the chord progression and melodic ideas of this and put it in like a moody moody moodful orchestral piece that's a really and good it point would sound really beautiful but it's like that's the not chords are really the interesting end result that flashy is going for yeah and there's a lot of I, music that, that has a tempo has an energy like this um but 95 percent of it will not have this interesting chords and harmony <laughs> and that's like something that you always hear with flashy's music is there's, there's just, there's a lot to listen to, you know, there's like people that are fans of harmony or fans of interesting chord progressions are going to be entertained by this music. People that just like exciting rocking music are going to be entertained. There's well, it's really like that something great, for everyone. It's that great thing that Manami Matsumai talked about years yeah. ago when she was working on Mighty Number no. 9, which is just that approach to composition of spending a lot of time to make sure that the melody and chords work slowly and then on the groove piano. it up. Yep. Yeah. And then Funk it up, it rock up. it like, up. What a, I just love that approach. Um, and that's something that I know me personally, like I've taken that to heart. Oh yeah. Um, and me too. Tried to emulate that since hearing her describe it that way. 
All right, this is a pretty funky one. It's customization. Here we go. good customization from rivals of aether the bass writing the drum part i mean i know this is like sampled drums here but really expressive stuff this is one of those tracks it's kind of like a quasi snes sound here a lot of sampled stuff but it really feels like it's performed by this little 16-bit band it's so good yeah i love this chord progression um me too going to the sort of it implies the Dorian mode or borrowing from major it's kind of the opposite really of using the minor four this is using the major four in minor so it's yeah. kind of the injecting a little bit of hope or it's a little exciting, bit of hopeful something. I mean, but to but have it that so baseline when the bass God. goes down there's something dark and oh, devious yeah. about it and tragic and beautiful it, ugh, love it he could also be called Funky Goodness, too. Uh, all right, let's move <laughs> yeah. on. Next track from Rivals we have today is Fire's Last Hope. guys listening to fire's last hope uh a textbook piece of vgm really inspired uh by series such as gradius uh, will said it reminded him a lot of arcade music even some street fighter in this it's very textbook but it's really well done flashy did his homework on this one absolutely and i mean i think i mentioned that homework was done through the process of growing up with <laughs> Isn't that the whole, best? That whole generation of <laughs> video games. I think That's the my kind of homework. thing that we're so lucky about is that even once console gaming and PC gaming got to the point where you could have red book audio and um, the, maybe the sort of limitations that helped to form some of these stylistic characteristics that we've been talking about, that language, even once those technical requirements went away for console and PC gaming, they still existed in handheld gaming. So that's why it's like, you know, m many like younger millennials or even certain Gen Z people, it's like they grew up playing a game boy or game boy advance or ds or something it's like right there those limitations were still in play enough to i think warrant the preservation of a lot of these kinds of musical characteristics where it's right. like okay well we can't do something subtle and sound designy or lean on the production we just have to have catchy melodies yeah <laughs> we have to have really undeniably appealing music under the hood so that even if it's rough around the edges it still packs a punch and absolutely i think that's something that composers that aren't dealing with those limitations really need to remember almost historically how important that was for so many 
you know, for decades really in gaming. And I don't think that just because essential limitations aren't there doesn't mean that composers shouldn't be imploring the uh, employing those techniques because they have a strong effect especially if you like that kind of music and you want to try to capture music like that absolutely i'm really excited to move on to this next track it's it's a really cool one neon universe ex by flashy goodness You guys listening to Neon Universe EX, just a shredding piece of music. Very soloistic, very exciting and fun. Will, what does this remind you of in the world of EGM? It's so Capcom-y to me. Um, Mm. I mean, I think having some of those almost like techno drums makes it feel like a remix of a NES Capcom era track. Yeah, totally. Like something from DuckTales or a Mega Man game or something. Very ducktails yeah. That 80s rock energy mixed with this sort of it's bluesiness. Yeah. <laughs> it's like there's something so Capcom-y about the yeah. way that blues and soloistic improvisation exists within the melodies of a lot of like Capcom 8-bit music. You know, one thing cool that some of you might not know um, is in the soundtrack of Rivals of Aether, I didn't play it today because we already played this you know original piece of music, he has uh, a track called Luna Ascension EX. Now, Luna Ascension was our play-in. That was originally from Tower of Heaven. So uh, he was able to take that piece of music and, and, and reuse it and kind of update it for Rivals of Aether. So if you're curious to hear that version, definitely do yourself a favor and check out the Bandcamp page. Man, some of these chord movements, like one of my favorite things. Almost getting close to in- like Yasuki Yasui here. One of my favorite things in music, though, is when you have a melody that lands on a sustained note, and it's holding, and that's the opportunity for the chords to do something fun and surprising. Love it. Um, And here you go to sort of like the um, minor six, the natural minor six from the parallel major, and then it goes to this interesting kind of like five, seven augmented chord it's like all happening really quickly but those kinds of i see that there's something sort of theatrical like that comes from the broadway tradition i feel like that kind of arranging style it's originally like a jazz thing of you know when you have this sort of sustained line or the sustained moment in a song where the melody is otherwise active it's like that's the moment where your attention can shift mm-hmm. from the singer or the lead instrument to whatever the accompaniment is and it's this great opportunity to inject some spice to inject some new emotion into it and yeah oh, I love a lot those of spice of- on this track okay so we have three more today including the play out and this one and the playout are very relaxed, very chilled out. The one just before the playout is very energetic. So we're going to go back and forth here. Uh, let's chill out to World Builders from Rivals of Aether. Thank you. 
You guys are listening to World Builders. This is the last track from Rivals, uh, the original soundtrack. After this, we're moving to one of the expansion tracks. Uh, there's quite a few releases that Flashy has um, from this game. Uh, there's the original soundtrack. There's an FM like EP, uh, which takes some of the pieces and, and does like fun FM versions to them. And then there's the expansion tracks. Uh, yeah, and I'm not sure if that's going to continue or they're going to eventually make a sequel. I really look forward to whatever Flashy does next because truly one of my favorite video game composers. Uh, let's do that. Let's move on to that expansion track. So this is by far the most recent composition of the day. It's called Embers of a Burning Dystopia from Rivals of Aether expansion tracks. Here we go. guys listening to a banger embers of a burning dystopia and one of the inspirational things to hear today is that flashy just keeps getting better and better this is one of the best tracks of the day and it is by far the most recent it's from the expansion tracks release of rivals of aether just so excited for the future of this composer wow i mean one of my most inspirational influential chiptune composers for sure yeah listen to this music a lot i think the just the emotion that it gives me is very inspirational to me yeah i think that's a good point it it's inspirational music because the function Mm -hmm. of this music is to inspire the player's action this is what we've talked about all the time about the kind of golden age vgm that the idea behind the music is empowerment i think and i think it it taps into one of the cool aspects of video games, which is sort of this simulation of um, feelings that are possible in real life, but maybe hard to come by for the average person. For sure. Most people don't know what it's like to achieve, like, you know, sort of Olympic level peak athleticism. But thanks to video games, you can simulate some approximation of that experience. And it puts you in the middle of your own movie and you can have these kinds of fun, satisfying moments. But just like movies, you know, a huge part of the emotion in getting us in the place where we're having those goosebump, exciting movie magic moments or mm-hmm. video game magic moments, in this case, that comes from the music. There is a lot of emotion in this music, and it's something that might not be noticed because it's so fun and it's so entertaining. Um, but yeah, I would go back and definitely visit this band camp, support this composer, and try to listen to this music more than once because there's a lot to pick out and enjoy. We're going to play you out with a very vibey piece of music to send you on your way. It's Forest of Nightfall from the game One Curious Nightfall, which is a very early release mm. by Flashy Goodness. Wow, I had a blast. Did you have a good time, well, Will? I had a great time, and you were talking about inspiration, you know, and this music is meant to inspire, but I feel inspired. I feel like both of us yeah. were expressing, you know, something that the listeners didn't get to hear is while we were playing this, you know, we were talking about it, and Carl and I even started talking about, like, ideas for a new project a new mm-hmm. thing that we want to collaborate on together and that's what this like, music does <laughs> it yeah, really does that it, oh man it I gives can't me wait. hope you know like it gives me hope that 
in something that I think this any kind of small niche community like chip tuning, what it can do is what it can empower for musicians and artists is this idea of be yourself and kind of write mm-hmm. the sort of music that you want to hear. You don't feel like you have to fit into a box that was chosen by someone else. And I think what chip tuning can be for so many people, even though ironically you think like, oh, it's it's this style that was born out of a limited palette for expression, but right. it's led to so much creative freedom and people getting to be themselves and express yep. themselves freely and openly. Yeah. I just want to thank flashy goodness one more time for all of this yeah. amazing music. I cannot Seriously. wait for the future. We'll play you out again with forest of nightfall. And actually speaking of that upcoming EP of mine, the first single from that is I think going to be dropping pretty soon. It's actually one that there there'll be a video for. So uh, definitely stay tuned to my YouTube channel fairly soon. Maybe if you're listening to this within a week of uh, when you're hearing this, stay tuned for that. Uh, yeah, I think that's about it. We'll get out of your hair. We'll be back with you in a couple weeks. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm Will Brueggemann. Take care, everybody. Peace out. Thank you.